Lego blocks could be WhatsApp messages. If you're avoiding WhatsApps, you're avoiding your emails. You're avoiding having a conversation with someone because it's a bit awkward. You're avoiding your finances. Whatever it is, you're like, oh, I haven't done that, I haven't done that, I haven't done that. All of this, and I literally, with my coaching that I do, I get clients to go and literally brain dump every single thing they need to do. Um, and then they add like it all to the board and they just have this pile of Lego that they're looking at. And I'm like, that is your life. That's how blocked you are in your life because you haven't done those basic things. And then they're like, oh my God. And they, you know, they, they always do a little block around and they've got this massive Lego castle and they're like, oh no. I'm like, yeah, I like to think it's clever. And you know, I've made it fun with Lego, but it's just life. Welcome to the Greg Allen Podcast. Thanks for joining us where we talk about life. I truly believe that everyone has a story to tell and a lesson to teach. And that's what this show is all about. So if you're enjoying the show, please head over and leave us a review. It helps us connect, inspire and help more people like you. And I just want to do a big shout out to you for taking the time to grow and improve. So good on you. Keep doing what you're doing and good luck in life. Hey, Nat, thank you so much for joining us. Really excited to have a chat tonight and today. <laughs> and this morning over here. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, really, really uh, excited to hear about your journey and what you've been up to uh, this year and, yeah, what you're looking to do in the future. Yeah, there's lots, lots and lots and lots on my journey, which I'm very excited to talk about. Where do you want to start? I'd love to hear just how things have been going in the last month. Tell me about your last month. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last month, things have taken a little bit of a turn, which has been great. I I have a radio station called I Am Sound, and we were doing everything audio based for a while. And I decided to do a YouTube channel. So everything I've been doing for the last month has been geared towards this YouTube channel. I've spent more time than I care to imagine on YouTube learning about algorithms and posting and what makes a good video and what doesn't. So I feel like a bit of a YouTube pro at the moment, but don't quote me on that. So, But I literally have just gone all in on doing video and audio and just making sure that I've got like my whole team is planned and we know what's going on for the next kind of three months, which is nice to feel that organized mm. um, because we're not sure whether we're going to get a second wave of COVID. No one knows. And I'm like, I think we need to do video and bring it to life a little bit more because audio is good and radio is good. But to have that visual, especially because I don't have any other social media, um, I having a YouTube channel for my personal brand and one for the business has been quite good because I can play them off with each other. Totally. Uh, but yeah, I feel a bit of a whiz now. Cool. Um, I'm going to pick your brain, even though you said don't Go quote me it. on that. <laughs> we're going to quote <laughs> you on that. <laughs> so what have you been learning? So uh, well, yeah. So basically, when you upload a video, so like you know, like algorithms, um, they you need to kind of know, understand the platform that you're going to use. So whether it's Instagram, you need to know what time to post, you need to know where to post, you need to know what to include, hashtags, blah blah blah. On YouTube, it's very much the same, but there's also keywords and there's tags, so it's a little bit more SEO focused. But you can choose a name and a title for your video. But then all of a sudden, the content that you've done in that video might not necessarily match perfectly the title. But then when you put it into YouTube, there might be several other titles that would probably better fit and also um, some different angles that you could market that video on. So it, there's a, something called TubeBuddy. If anybody's listening and has a YouTube channel, do not do it without TubeBuddy. And I don't get paid to say this. 
it's amazing it teaches you everything and um it basically shows you that there's like there's 50 or 60 different titles for your video that might be better than the you know the half-assed one that you've just come up with so it's choosing which one and then you can do a b testing so you can make sure that you've got the right image and thumbnail and title and you can trial it against another one and there's just all these extra things that you just don't think of because you just it would be lovely if you could just post and off it goes to the world but obviously everyone's competing for space and not everyone's talking about the same thing um so really synthesizing what my message is has been really good synthesizing that down and making sure that it's to the point um and i like to be a little bit risky with my um with my titles so um i'm yeah i'm a little bit kind of out there and just they're quite hard hitting so i talk about really vulnerable raw stuff mm. um so i can get away with really vulnerable and raw titles yeah, looking forward to hearing more about that and what you're talking about in your videos. Yeah. So TubeBuddy, that that actually does A/B testing, does it? Yeah. So there's different part. There's different packages that they have. Some are just simple. You can just upload and get the keywords and the tags that you need. Some are um, ideal for A/B testing, and you can do various splits and stuff and see what works for your videos. Which I think, because I've got two channels, it's going to be really good for me to really at this early age, figure out what kind of style and design works for us and then we can continue that. But, you know, it's something that I don't really think it's worth doing unless you do it fully on YouTube because there is, you know, I don't even know how many creators are on there, but it's an epic amount of people out there talking about wellness and lifestyle and all that kind of stuff. So I have to I have to make my mark. You have to be really authentic in your videos. I don't have a problem with doing that, but making sure that your videos are just as good as the way that you've staged them in terms of algorithms and, and backing up. There's there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> there's a hell of a lot. But it's fun because I, I just think why not? Yeah. And how's it going so far? Like when did you actually launch your first video? So I, I basically, I watched somebody, another YouTuber saying, you just have to start, like, don't get everything perfect, just start. So I set myself a challenge that I would wake up the following morning and just start. But I woke up with wet hair, like not with wet hair, but I went in the shower, had wet hair, sat in front of my computer and I'm like, oh damn, I decided to do my YouTube channel this morning. So I did a video with wet hair. Uh, basically so you can see that and you can see that I'm just like I'm just coming on to do this because I said I would so I started I didn't really concentrate too much on tags and everything on that one I just uploaded and then I've done a, a live video with some friends who were my inspiration behind the channel these two guys that I met that are doing incredible charity work for no reason of attention at all they're just doing the work and I spoke to them and they were saying they wanted to get out there and do more and it just really you know they were doing all this stuff and I thought there's so much more I could be doing on a giving perspective so so um, I just said, I'm going to start my YouTube channel this week. And they were my inspiration. So I had them on, on a live show. So again, didn't even do any tags. I just went live. And then now I'm learning whatever else I've got content that I've done. I've just used my life as like a, um, like yesterday I had an altercation with someone and I tried to help them and they were quite obnoxious and defensive, but I got really like, Oh God, this doesn't feel good. And I felt really vulnerable. Mm. So I went and wrote down how I felt about it. And then I sit with my feelings. And then, so I did a video on that this morning, not mentioning any names or being really specific, but just actually saying, you know, when you do, you know, get attacked in some way, or you do feel vulnerable, it's important to sit with that in the moment. So I did a video on how I processed that and how I went through it and how awkward and, and vulnerable and scared I feel and like less than and but just sharing because that happened in my life so it's important just to show people which is the whole channel is is basically it's being being human so um that it was just me being human last night and feeling a little bit oh so I had to put it out yeah I, I definitely have been through a bit of a journey in the last five years to 
be open and vulnerable to myself mainly, uh, not to, mm-hmm. not so much to other people, but just to myself and admitting when I've done. And I'm still working really hard on being honest and authentic Life's and speaking work. my mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I'm still making so many mistakes. You know, still holding on to things when I should have said something, or you know, and um, in fear that I'm going to hurt someone's feelings, or you know, something mm-hmm. like that. And um, yeah, still working really hard on that. So yeah, it's great that you're showing your vulnerability publicly to help people understand that it's a good thing. Yeah, I think we have to. I, I don't think we can hide anything. I mean, I don't know if anybody else has noticed, but 2020 is bringing everything up, whether we wanted it or not. So people's bullshit is flying around everywhere. And I, you know, I've got things I need to work through and I'm always going to have things I need to work through. So being open to being vulnerable and sharing that is something that I've always had as a theme in my radio shows or like when I did, I used to have a YouTube channel, but then I got trolled and I panicked and I was like, oh, and uh, but I was really raw and vulnerable but I just didn't know how to deal with the backlash that you might get from that so it wasn't good for my mental health back then um that was about eight no more than eight years ago probably about nine years ago now um but I wish I'd have carried it on because you know if I'd have been nine years on YouTube I'd be living a different life right now um maybe (laughs) but uh but now I'm starting yeah but now I'm starting with a better state of mind I'm you know mentally in a better place because I'm not on social media um so that really helps me because i now just do things without wondering what people are going to think i'm just doing them because i want to yeah i actually didn't think youtube was going to like i thought it was such a big beast that you wouldn't get many views or it'd be hard to get anyone to even care or it's not like you can push well you can push ads to it but i wasn't Mm -hmm. and then um when i like i think one of my videos has nearly hit a million views wow Um, yeah um it's a singing one but it's um yeah it's a bit of a comedy, like a acapella with my, my tradie uh, guys in my company. But it's, um, yeah, I just wasn't expecting that. And it just went crazy over YouTube. And um, yeah, yeah and that, that particular video has just gone you know, viral across all platforms. But it's, it's strange that YouTube was such a big platform. I wasn't expecting it. So yeah well i mean there's there's a there's a channel on there uh, which is always blowing my mind there's a channel on there and it's one of the top performing channels and you don't even see the woman's face and all they do is open boxes toy boxes they just literally open toy boxes and put the toys together and it is like one of the most popular youtube channels and i think well if you can do that when you're just opening boxes of toys anything's possible right yeah my kids uh when they get onto youtube i remember when they were, even when they were really young they would watch that stuff forever and not talk and just be so hypnotized by Crazy. people playing with toys, you know, opening boxes. It's, yeah. And it's actually quite hypnotizing. So I can see how it's just gone nuts. Yeah, I think to myself, like, you know, when you watch, I mean, when I was a kid and my friend had um, Super Mario Brothers on the game, uh, on the games console, and I remember being in her bedroom and she always wanted to play and there was never really a spare console, like a never, um, I think whatever it's called, you do it with your hands and there was never one spare. So I just have to sit on the bed and watch. I'm like, this is the most boringest thing in the world. Now you look at esports, that's what people do. They watch people play games and, and it's a thing. And I'm like, Oh my God, that was my boring time when I was a child because I couldn't get on the game. I don't know if I could watch somebody else play a, a computer game, but this is an entire industry of yeah. esports and they fill out stadiums of people going to watch people playing games. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't know if I missed something or I, I don't know. 
I've got yeah. no idea Pew- on that one. PewDiePie is like the most followed yes. YouTuber, and he is crazy. He is. He's to very watch. authentic, apparently, isn't he? Nice. I, I haven't watched any of his stuff. Okay, you have to watch some of his stuff. It is yeah, one of it is hilariously awkward and weird and funny. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, one of my friends said that you remind me of him. I said, why? What? And he said, you have to go and watch him. He says because he's just really real. He's just really authentic. He just says what he thinks. He's just got this quirky way. He's like you talk like that. You. Okay, and I haven't yet got. That's one on my task list. I've got to go through and watch several of his videos because I said I would, and give a little report back. And I'm like, uh, I haven't done it yet. So yeah. thank you for reminding me. Cool. <laughs> no worries. So tell me about your radio station. Like, how did you get to starting a radio station? Is that one that's in? Where are you based? First of all. Um. Yeah. So I am in Yorkshire in the UK, and um, I've been in radio. I, I studied radio, advanced radio production at Point Blank Music College in London when I was 29. Um. Oh, I'm not going to tell my age, but anyway, when I was 29, uh, and I loved it. I I fell in love with it. I had a radio show in London. I had um. Then I've had radio shows in Ibiza when I was living in Ibiza. I've had um shows on breakfast, uh, like breakfast time. And I just love the talking aspect and doing all of this kind of stuff. And um, I thought about having my own station. And then, unfortunately, my back broke and I had to leave Ibiza. And I had to come back to the UK and I lost everything, laid in bed and was just like, oh, my God. And I decided to um, build a personal development business. So I thought I wanted to put together a platform that helps people really do the pragmatic spiritual work should we call it the real personal development work but without being too woo woo and too kind of brain hacking science you know all that kind of stuff just everyday stuff like what comes up every day so I wanted to create a project around that which I did and I called it I am sound and I am sound ended up being I am sound academy because there's a course that we've been developing that goes along with it but when COVID struck I came home um, to my parents' house and I'm saying to one of my shareholders, I'm not really sure what to do with the business. I don't know which direction to take it, what's going to be right for now. And then I was scooting around. I always do something else while I'm doing something. And I went into a drawer. And I wonder if I've got it here, actually. I don't know if I have. Uh, I don't think they're in front of me. But I went into a drawer at my parents' house and there were some letters that I'd written to myself. So I write myself letters and I write a date on the front of them and then I close them and I open them in a couple of years or whatever. And I've done this for a few years. And there was a letter that I wrote to myself on the 27th, uh, sorry, on the 27th of March. Uh, was it 17th? Uh 17th of no 27th of March it was 2018 and it said open on the 28th of March 2020 or is it the 17th or the 18th I can't remember so I was like oh my god so I opened this letter and I'm like wow and it was on literally to the day of when I wrote it that I had to open it I was like oh my god so I'm like oh I need to open this read it and it said you are launching you know it says I am launching this radio station I am this is why I'm doing it this is what it's going to be and I'm like this is what I need to do. I wouldn't have found that for no reason. It just, it was so clear to me to start a station and, and I thought I can do it. So I set it all up. I'm here in the fourth bedroom at my mum and dad's house, literally from where, when I was a kid and I set up the radio station in here and, um, I know loads of people in the music industry anyway, cause that's what I've been doing. I used to DJ for a very little while. Um, I know loads of DJs and loads of different companies to be able to help me get the right content. And I thought there's no stations out there that are wellness and dance music together. So I've got a inspirational wellness and dance music station. And it's it's all about sound healing and um, really, you know, amazing tracks, but, uh, you know, also teaching about sound and wellness and kind of the personal development work. So I've put it all together and 
I am very happy with it. I can't believe I made one. It took me seven solid weeks of like, oh my God, this is just me on my own. I had no one helping me. And I came away with a radio station, which now has an app on the App Store. So if you want it, you can go and get it on the App Store as well and on the Google Play Store. Oh man, that is so cool. You said said so many things I want to talk about. First of all, you put put Ibiza and uh, broke your back in the same sentence. So can you you tell me, uh, first of all, what is it like living in Ibiza and uh, on a radio station there? Yeah, so radio is cool out there. There was a number of different stations I was on. I had different shows on different stations. Um, I ended up having a pitching a breakfast show, which had never been done before. I wanted to do an Ibiza breakfast show, which is what I called it, on Cafe Mambo, uh, which is in the sunset in uh, San Antonio. And I um, approached them. They said, yes, I had everything set up. I was using the decks. You know, I was on Pete Tong's radio desk, you know, biggest DJ in the world. Everyone knows who he is. Everyone's seen him and all of his artist friends doing BBC Radio 1 live stream from this very studio that I'm now in using his decks, using his station. And um, sorry, the Mambo station and his uh, radio desk. And um I had everything set up and I was like, oh my God, I love this. I had the view, it was brilliant. And then the second day that I was there, somebody had left the system on overnight, but didn't tell us. So when I went to turn everything on, they kind of double clicked and something set on fire. Something oh, started no. smoking and I was just like, no, I can't be the one to oh, play no. Pete Tong's radio desk. I was like, no. Anyway, somebody came in, one of the technicians came in, sorted it out and said, we can't do it today, but we can do it tomorrow. I was like, okay. So I went back in, I was on air for like three weeks had loads of people coming in, had the whole summer set up, looking at sponsors. It was a really exciting project. Everyone was like, oh my God, Nat, you're on air. It's amazing. I was doing live streams on on uh, Facebook and I'd had sciatica for a period of time on my left-hand side and I was getting really strong pains and they were getting worse and worse and worse. And then, you know, one of my friends um, was just like, you need to go and really just get this checked now because it's it's gone on to a bit too far so I went and had a scan uh, an MRI and it said I just had a slip disc which was painful but I just thought well at least now I know I've got a slip disc and um, I went home that night woke up the following morning went for my little morning wee and was just like mm, something's not quite right I'm not sure what it is I've got back into bed an hour later I woke up paralyzed couldn't move couldn't do anything oh, and I was what? just like oh so what had actually happened was my MRI had picked up a um, a small kind of uh, a small little move around on my uh, on my disc but then when I, I had to fly back to London when I got back to London I had a full x-ray and I had two spinal fractures two slip discs and a twisted pelvis no idea how it happened don't I've got no to this day I don't know what caused all of that to go on but I, I keep saying you know god just didn't want me to be in Ibiza and put my ass back in London and I had to be there and a great thing started happening everything I needed came to me in London it was just like the world just opened up but I was never going to leave Ibiza because I loved it and I had my whole life there or so I thought and you know my identity was part of Ibiza now and it was all bullshit basically it was all like this is not really I wasn't thriving in any way shape or form but I was striving and they're very different and striving is tough and if you're striving you're not going anywhere you're just literally constantly feeling like you are but actually you're pushing so hard you're resisting what naturally flows to you and Mm. you can miss quite a lot of the magic when you're in striving mode when obviously you're in bed and you've got nothing to do and you've broke your back and you've I've lost my dog and everything's gone and I'm like 
oh, and I let go and I relaxed for the first time in such a long time. It was like the universe went, there she is. We can get to her now. So like literally gave me the investor that I needed, gave me all the different things that I needed that in my life at that time. And the magic happened. And I realized when you really surrender and you let go, even if you think what you've got is your dream, Ibiza wasn't my dream. I was there, I existed, I had fun, I had an amazing time. I didn't drink there, I don't drink, I don't do drugs. I haven't done that for a long, long time. So I, I had amazing times there, but I wasn't partying all the time. But I wasn't achieving in a in my life what I actually wanted to achieve. I didn't know that because I was in a bubble and of an illusion, which is Ibiza, which is great, but the world is existing outside of that island. And I got to London and I was like, oh, maybe there's other things that I want in my life and they they started happening and uh, and yeah it was hard but it was it was beautiful at the same time and painful yeah totally so what's what is like when you're living Ibiza like what is the I guess the the attitude the vibe the you know the general consensus to the way to live there um well it's it depends really some people are still there you know, some people just do six months in the summer and it's fast paced, partying, going out, you make your money, you make your money, you make your money and then you leave because you go away for winter and you go somewhere traveling and then you come back and it's again, again, you know, you're just constantly on it in the summer. But if you're living there all year round, it's a different approach. You are very laid back. You are very relaxed. I would say, and I think I would not be the only one to say it, there's a large amount of laziness and avoidance going on in Ibiza because life can get so comfortable and so easy just to live simply but then you lose your drive and then you lose a lot of you know the normalities of life and then you, it starts to get harder and harder because you've kind of come out of the rat race um but you've come out of all life and you're trying now to get back in it you feel sometimes like you're lazy sometimes like you're blessed sometimes like you should be doing more then again you're on a boat somewhere with all your friends you're like yay this is life's amazing the ups and downs it's a bipolar island that's what I call it. It's the highs are high and the lows are tragic. Mm. And everyone's existing at the same time doing that. And you can have beautiful friendships. You can have hell on earth. Um, I didn't have any hell on earth, thank goodness. But I saw people going through some of the worst times that they've ever experienced. Um, and But I, I wasn't on drugs and I wasn't drinking. So a lot of people were and going through those periods. Um, but I know when I did go there, the first time I lived there in 2009 for a summer, um, you know, I was shit faced every day. I was on so many drugs, like it was ridiculous. And I did have a horrible time in some of the times of the, of the summer. <laughs> so it was for me, largely when you're mixing that pace of life, which is super relaxed and chilled with these highs and lows of drugs and alcohol, there's a real shift in in the balance and it can be quite traumatic. But then again, you could, you know, next day you could roll over and you're out on a super yacht with someone you hardly know, but you're having the time of your life and it's a day you'll never forget. Yeah, spun out. And what, what would you say? Uh, uh, but it's, yeah. Oh, sorry, got you off there, just dropped out. Um, what would you say um, <laughs> with the, because I've never been there and I've only heard what you hear about Vita. So mm -hmm. what, were the, what was your favourite club and why? Favourite club? Um, oh, good question. Do you know what? I really, 
I went to Woo Moon, which was actually at Cova Santa, which is a club slash restaurant. Um, I really enjoyed that party when it first came out. The first year of Woo Moon was amazing. The second year, I wasn't as much of a fan. Um, but the hype in the beginning, it was very cool. Very, It's an like open air party. It's amazing. There was families there. It wasn't just hardcore ravers. It was just a really amazing island vibe. And they they hit the nail on the head. And it still exists today, I believe. I, I'm not sure if... I think it does. Yeah. Um, but then also I've had, you know, I've had some of the best nights of my life in space, which was now closed. Unfortunately, Pasha was, you know, I got lost in Pasha one night and had the most random fun I've ever had in my life. Um, bumbling around Pasha, I'd taken ecstasy and off I went, lost all my friends, didn't know where I was going. And I was just ended up having an awesome night and <laughs> with these people I didn't know. Yeah. And then I've never seen since never had a number, didn't have them on social media, but had that kind of bubble of a great night. But again, you know, three days after you're like, Oh my God, I wish I'd not taken that drug and because you, you have the highs and the lows. Yeah. So thankfully I don't do that anymore. Um, cause I can't deal with the lows, but, yeah. uh, yeah, it was, it was intense. Yeah, right. And, and what would you say you hated about Ibiza or didn't like? What was the thing that turned you off? The laziness. The laziness, the, 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 the kind of... People kind of give up in a number of ways and they think that they don't need to do any more. Um, and some do, some don't. Um, but there's a lot of laziness there. And, and that, not necessarily... Is it laziness? Not necessarily just the laziness. It's the the respect is dropped. So if you've got to meet someone, it's okay to be late anywhere you go, but that doesn't get work done. And that can be quite disrespectful when someone has got to get work done. You're just like, Oh yeah, just turn up 40 minutes late. And you know, I became a victim of that. And I, I bought, got brought up with military parents you know everyone was on time all the time and you're like okay when I was in Ibiza I was like hello no one there telling me I need to be here so you do get quite lazy but then when you're trying to actually do a job and you're trying to exist and do stuff like if you've got radio show and you need to be on air at 10 people turning up at quarter past 10 ain't gonna work for you yeah it's not it's not right so there was a real hard balance trying to fit in appointments and people just go oh yeah you know it's Ibiza the answer it's Ibiza to every question is is not sufficient, but it seems to work on the island quite yeah. well. Everyone's like, it's, it's a beater, it's fine. Yeah. Um, and it's just a lack of ownership and a lack of responsibility, which is something I now, having my business built around personal responsibility, and my whole brand is around personal responsibility, it would have been difficult for me to exist doing my brand there. Yeah, okay, cool. And so you got back to London, you realised that, oh, this is where I need to be. So why, why was that? Do you know what? It was just the pace of life I needed to be back into. Yeah. I am, you know, I wanted to do more. I wanted to be more. I wanted to grow. And I was existing in Ibiza. As I said, I wasn't thriving. Mm. And um, if any, if I was ever doing work, I was striving because I was being so lazy. I thought I should catch up. So it was never like a natural flow. But in London, there's a lot more opportunity. There's a lot more to do. There's a lot of amazing people in Ibiza that know it and do it very well, where they have their houses and their family there, but then they come to London for work and then they keep the two very separate. Um, and I, that's a beautiful idea and I'd love to be able to afford that financially. But in London, for me, at the moment, the pace um, was much better. I could reach lots of different people and there was just there was more going on. I felt like in Ibiza, I'd retired before actually making it and having the family to retire with. And someone said that to me and I was like, oh, that hurts. And I'm oh. like, damn, yeah, I'm retired before I should be. So I needed to go and live a little bit longer, basically. Yeah, totally. And so you're up at Yorkshire now. Is that with your yes. parents, back where you grew up? 
what? Yeah, it is. I'm literally in the house where I grew up. I just COVID stroke, uh, striped and I was like, nah, I'm not staying in London for a pandemic. No way. So I was like, mum, can you come pick me up, please? So we went and loaded the car up and I came back to my parents' house and I've been here ever since. I have I go to London like every other weekend or so, uh, which is great in and out. But uh, yeah, Yorkshire, where I am, is is beautiful. I don't have loads of friends. I, I do have lots of friends. I just haven't seen them for a long time because I, I'm not on social media. So I haven't, you know... I've not announced to the world that I'm at number four. Um, nobody really knows. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> so I remember going to Yorkshire when I was um, about 10, just. Mm-hmm. I can hardly remember it, actually. But um, I have been there. And um, But let us know, what is, what is it like growing up there? What was it like? Um, in a way, so I originally I was born in Devon, and that was beautiful green fields, amazing, amazing environment to grow up in as a kid. But when I got to the north of England, it was very dark and very dull because uh, we went straight from the beautiful fields of Devon up to the coal mining village of in Yorkshire. So it's very dark. There's all the kind of the pits and every. It wasn't transformed as much as it is now. Now it's very green everywhere you go. Everywhere's kind of developed in some way. Um, but the mentality um of lifestyle um it was difficult it was difficult I was a young girl with big aspirations and big dreams and wanting to go places and wanting to do things and had military parents that travel around the world and and I wanted to strive and you know yeah I want to do things in life and some people would say well who do you think you are to go and get that kind of lifestyle and and that was hard Um, it's a bit of a smaller minded mentality in some places not all places but some people they judge you if you want to do well but then if you do well they'll be like oh I know her and you're like oh yeah you do and there's like there's nothing to that there's no claim to fame because you know me um but I you know I have a very good connection with some people that I've always grown up with around here and that I still speak to today and I still love and adore and you know, it's those connections will never die, but some of them you do outgrow um, because it's a little bit behind up here. They don't have it. You know, there's not many in London. You can't walk on one street without finding a yoga, a yoga center. And nearly everyone's a DJ. Same as in Ibiza. Everyone's a yoga or DJ up here. Not so much. I know probably three DJs up here and I know one yoga person. There's not loads of yoga studios. They're not into the wellness like they are elsewhere in the world. So it's slowly catching up, but it's also people don't really care that much it's pretty chilled and and everyone says hello everyone's super nice and you're like hey and chatting to anyone I've got I'll take my neighbor's dog for a walk and there's like eight dogs on the field we all know each other and chat and have doggy club in the morning at 7 30 and it's it's lovely you couldn't do that in London yeah no, that's amazing and it's uh, it's great you've kept those bonds you know all mm. that time you come back and yeah do you feel like much has changed like when you come back to your friends from being away for so long no yeah. Not really. Quick reconnect. I've yeah, own. I've I've changed a lot, but like the connections haven't changed. We're still straight back into the friendship that we had, um, which was lovely. Okay, I've got a question around. Go you've gone it. off and you've chased your dreams, and you've been working hard and personal growth and professional development and all these things, and then you come back and and you know I think a lot of those people that try and hold you back from growing mm-hmm. are, are, yeah. is a, a bit of. You know, they don't want to be left behind. They don't want to seem like they're not trying. Um, yeah. And so they sort mm-hmm. of pull you down to try and, mm-hmm. you know, make sure that you don't take off. So you've gone yeah. away, come back, and have those people grown. Do you know what? It's interesting that you say that. Some some people have no interest in growing and doing anything different. They don't really see that or know that is an option. 
and and they're just living their lives that they always were they aren't fundamentally that happy but they're just okay with what they're doing they're not like they're not that much of a, a kind of grower in that sense but some people who do want to be and do more a lot of people exist on social media up here so a lot of the interactions they have is largely in the comparison in in the kind of comparing their life to somebody else's you can't compare the life around here with a life that I've had in any way shape or form other than the fact that we're both human because it's completely different mm. so for you to be annoyed at what I'm doing or frustrated at what I'm doing or feel like you know who does she think she is which has happened on a couple of occasions I don't even have the same accent I had when I left I used to talk like that all the time and you know rate Yorkshire and I don't talk like that anymore not because I'm trying to it's because my voice has just changed because I've traveled I don't resemble anything that I used to be and and that for some people some people do you know it's really funny that a lot of people um they all know each other, their phone numbers of each other and social media. Obviously, me coming here with no social media, I thought if I'm meant to see someone, I'll see them. I've got one person's number that I love and I always keep in touch with them. I thought the rest I'll see. And I went for a walk with my dad and the dog and I went over where I used to walk um, and literally I said to my dad, oh, wouldn't it be nice if I saw someone? And then someone that I loved to bits went under the bridge as I was walking over it. And I'm like, Kate, are you there? And I, you know, I saw him and we connected after 15 years of not seeing each other. <laughs> so then we swapped numbers and just chatted and we've been out for walks and hikes and drinks and stuff since which has been lovely and then again the other day I was driving we got diverted with traffic the other day and I was still I, I'd got Cade to give me the number of Tony Howley another guy that I know that I love to bits and I thought I'd love to speak to him and have a chat with him I really like him and uh, he's running down the side of the road that me and my mom got diverted on the other day so we stopped the car and got out and said hi so I believe <laughs> that the magic exists and yeah. it's just there if you're meant to see these people you will social media or not the world will get you to them and uh, and that's what happened yeah I love um I love that about Byron Bay as well like you sort of you just go to the local park and you just be there and then mm -hmm. the people that you feel like need to come into your life on that day just do <laughs> and yeah just, and you meet a new family and then you really connect and the kids get along with the kids and it's like yeah awesome how good's that that's the magic the yeah. magic happens whether we want it to or not it just exists and yeah. I love that especially in Ibiza that you know if you're meant to see someone that day you will roll into that person yeah yeah no it's totally really cool so my daughter is extremely interested in becoming a dj she's Love that. she's six um yeah she's been listening to edm and you know all sorts dubstep <laughs> you know drum and bass she, she's yeah. into electronic music she loves it she loves I love that. all type of music um she's been doing suzuki piano since she was three um Aww. and she is um yeah, extremely passionate about electronic music. So do you have any advice for her on, on how to, or any aspiring DJ, how yeah. to get started and how to understand, um, you know, more about becoming a DJ? One of the very first things I think is super important now is to realize that DJs, a lot of the time when they become a brand or they become an identity as a DJ, they are pigeonholed in some way to exist as if they make a track, everyone loves it. They're then stuck and they have to make tracks like that all the time to remain in it, you know, with the brand. And that has worked in the past, but it can become very stifling for a DJ. It's not like there's not much creativity going on there because they're being forced to produce something that they started off with. But as you grow and you get better and you want to do more things, you want to explore and experiment. So a lot of DJs now actually go into being live performers 
performers. Um, and live performance means you're using a number of different instruments to create a track live on the stage as someone's watching you. And there's a number of different ways of doing that. So just being a DJ has kind of been and gone in that sense. There's more that you need to be able to offer to be an, an artist in today's world. You do unfortunately need to have some kind of social presence. Um, that's really important. But also knowing who you are and standing by that and being unique, that will never not sell. And that will be that will be you carving your way through what it is you want to do. And if you have that sense of identity and that sense of brand from a very early age, that you are con going to constantly change and you're going to constantly grow and people have to keep up with you rather than you just sticking with one thing, that would be really useful for her to be able to think that she's not limited by one thing because that is, is quite an awful story when you see a lot of DJs that would love to play something else and do something else, but they have to stay pigeonholed. It's a shame because it can cause quite a lot of mental health problems. So, you know, if she's also interested in, you know, playing instruments, that's going to greatly help her production skills and what she wants to do. So that as many instruments as she can play will help her define her brand as an artist. Yes, she can play her own music out and she'll be a DJ. Um, but if she can do live and, you know, if she can do something different and she starts at a really young age and she's 12 and she's awesome and she can play anything that's been put in front of her. Wow. You know, that's when the magic really happens as long as she's grounded. But it's so important to know that the music is work as well as creativity. So they're going to need breaks. She's going to need breaks from stopping to do it and not doing it too much too much because you don't want her to be absolutely incredible and then get to 14 and be like no I'm bored now I want to go and you know be an athlete and you're like what <laughs> you know you she needs to have that break she needs to enjoy that time of being creative but if she can play three or four instruments by the time she's 12 and she can then learn if not before learn on you know the the software that's available these days is incredible you know and it's something where you can in incorporate you know getting a set of decks for her maybe that's what her entire pocket money business story is about you can teach her how to handle money and business by saving up for a first pair of pioneer decks you know that in itself is a way and a goal for her to be like oh well i need to save money for this so you can teach her life skills around her djing that would also help her but you know if only all djs had that kind of upbringing it would be great but a lot of DJs just do it for ego reasons myself included I just thought it'd be really cool to do I thought it'd be great and I you know I was DJing and then I'm like I actually don't want to do this it's <laughs> like uh but I'd set myself up got myself an agent and a manager and I was in Dubai and I had a partner like DJing with her we didn't even like the same music in the end I'm like why am I doing this and I actually wanted to do radio DJ rather than playing out and I you know I had to break down in the, in the end because I was you know I literally was like this is not the right path for me yeah. and I felt so bad and ended up having a breakdown because I was so on the wrong path which ended up being a breakthrough but you know I wouldn't want a six-year-old to think to go through any of that if she can make a decision and and start now crack on yeah cool <laughs> so tell me about um your experiences around changing direction because it sounds like there's a couple of times when you've you've realized and I know a lot of people get stuck and they're like, no, I have to do this. Mm -hmm. This is what I've decided. You know, mum said I should do this, so I'm doing yeah. it. And, you know, and then they do it for their entire life. Yeah, our lives, yeah. I know. It's so, scary. Talk to me about yeah. that and how you've built the confidence around making the change and then going out and pushing forward on your new path. So making a change, like life changes all the time. If I knew when I was younger how much life was going to change, I'd have had much less pain. It's my holding on to things and my attachment to things that have caused me the biggest problem and the biggest strain. But life changes all the time. 
And now I'm really used to that. It doesn't matter if I need to change. I could change direction from a YouTube channel tomorrow. I'm just going to go and get on and do it and, and carry on with that because that's the flow that it's taking me. In. And I realized I look back all of the things I've ever done have led me to where I am today. And I'm drawing on all of that experience today and it's become really useful. So no matter what direction I go in, there's some use for it. You know, there's some things that I would never do again. There's some things that I would love to do again. There's some things I still haven't done. So, you know, it's like a tapestry. We are weaving it all together and it's going to come in, in useful at some point. But now I think for me, I don't need to change my job. And, I, you know, I don't need to change much about myself because I've been working on myself quite a lot to be able to get to being happy where I actually wake up happy and I wake up in a good space. And I'm not, you know, I'm not super rich. I'm not out there doing all the things I'd love to do, but I am happy. And I wake up as often as possible, you know, with a goal of just waking up happy and that I hit that goal. I don't have any other life goals, um, which some people find really annoying. They're like, oh, what's your biggest goal? And I'm like, I don't, I don't have any. I stopped striving when I broke my back. There was no more striving. I don't have goals. If something happens, great. If it doesn't, it was never going to. And I feel like I spent most of my life concentrating on myself. And some people might say that's really selfish, but I, I just wanted to keep working on myself because I was an absolute bitch and a nightmare <laughs> occasionally. And I didn't want to be that person anymore. And I wanted to change and I wanted to grow. So my consistency has been with myself, but within that, things things change. And they always will. And I'm okay with that. But now I know that I'm as consistent as I can be. So whether I go to my YouTube channel or whether I'm going to my radio project or whether I'm doing personal responsibility coaching with someone and teaching them what I've done, I'm consistent. So it doesn't matter about the change as long as you've got the discipline to match it. Yeah, I find that really fascinating um, that you said se selfish. I think it's probably the most selfless thing someone can do is to mm -hmm. make sure that they're in a good position first so that they can help others. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you are... If you work on yourself, you're not taking from others. And that, you know, yes. it's the t constantly taking. Someone who hasn't worked on themselves is taking from other people constantly, whether that's yeah. through criticism or it's through pulling people down or if it's through, mm -hmm. you know, all the other things that come with someone that hasn't worked on themselves. So, yeah, I think it's great. It's not selfless. It's Thank not selfish. You. <laughs> um, Thank you. Some, some people have said otherwise, but I'm, I'm quite happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, you, me. now you are where you are now. So tell me a little bit about... Um, you know, what you would say to someone and some of the coaching experiences you've had around personal responsibility. I think that's, I think that's key. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's three areas. Um, it's acceptance, avoidance and boundaries. Like you have to accept yourself. You have to be comfortable with yourself and be okay with who you are because the whole world has an opinion. So you at least need to be solid on your own on your own kind of mindset. Um, boundaries are super important. I had no boundaries for a very long period of time and I, I didn't even know what a boundary was. And I'm just like, what, what, what does that mean? It's like if somebody is constantly taking something from you, but you're not saying no and you're just keep giving, 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 you get exhausted because you have no boundaries. You've got no, no, there's no, no there. There's no, like, all right, I've hit my limit. You just constantly give and then you feel like someone's taking from you and then you judge them and then you hate them. And, but they're still your friend and they still see them all the time. But secretly you're like, oh, I hate this person. It's all this crap that we're living in. It's all this, you know, stuff that we're not paying attention to. 
And as well as having, you know, accepting yourself and learning how to do that properly and understanding what your boundaries are, especially in relationships, because relationships are really hard and relationships, they don't have to be really hard, but they are if you don't know about self-acceptance and, and boundaries, because they can be very draining. And, you, you know, somebody could abuse you so many times and you're just going, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then you're like, you're not fine. And it, but then you start to have these resentments and that's where it really gets hard. And then toppled with all of that, you have your avoidance. And I've got this thing here. I always get this out and I do podcasts. Hold on one sec. But I basically, this is, I play with Lego all the time. Okay. So and I'm not sponsored by Lego. I just like Lego. So this is, this is you. Yeah. This could be any kind of little Lego man that you want, but I've got a little space character. And um, it basically, this is a void in our life literally we live in open space there's this void around us the whole world has a void around it so you exist in your void the amount of times we spend avoiding the void and what I mean by that is we avoid what shows up so we could get I usually put lego blocks on here but they're going to be loud if I get them out but lego blocks could be whatsapp messages if you're avoiding whatsapps you're avoiding your emails you're avoiding having a conversation with someone because it's a bit awkward you're avoiding your finances you're avoiding putting the toothpaste lid back on the toothpaste after you've brushed your teeth in the morning you're avoiding putting your toothbrush on charge whatever it is you're like oh i haven't done that I haven't done that I haven't done that all of this and i literally with my uh, coaching that i do i get clients to go and literally brain dump every single thing they need to do whether it's untie cables go and repair curtains or, you know, book insurance, whatever it is. Um, and then they add like it all to the board and they just have this pile of Lego that they're looking at. And I'm like, that is your life. That's how blocked you are in your life because you haven't done those basic things. And then they're like, oh my God. And they, you know, they, they always do a little block around and they've got this massive Lego castle and they're like, oh no. So the idea then is to break down the blocks and to break down. So, literally go and answer all your whatsapp messages it's going to take you probably two hours go and do it and then they're like oh god so then they sit there and go through their whatsapp messages or go and get rid of the 150,000 emails and you know get rid of the spam ones and clear out your email box but just breaking down all the things that you haven't done into set lists and then just doing it people are like oh my god this is such a mate i'm like this is not a trick this is just the amount of stuff you've avoided is insane. And then they're like, oh, my God, this is so clever. And I, I'm like, yeah, I like to think it's clever. And, you know, I've made it fun with Lego, but it's just life. It's just all the stuff I avoided in my own life. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is really embarrassing. I was avoiding everything, like the, the most smallest crap. And I say, you know, putting my toothbrush back on charge. If I can see it bleeping, there's a part of me that goes, oh, I can't be asked. I don't know where that comes from. Don't uh, literally have to walk in and go dink and put it straight. But there's a part of me that's like, can't be asked. And it's that level of laziness and avoidance. I noticed it everywhere. So now, you know, well, I talk to clients about it and some of the stuff people avoid is bonkers. So I've made it really fun to literally take personal responsibility in a way where you can't blame anyone else. There is no one there stopping you and blocking you from answering your WhatsApps other than this version of you inside going, oh, it's going to be an awkward conversation. Ignore, ignore, ignore. And then you get hundreds. And then you're like, oh, and you feel horrible every time you get a message because you don't know who it is. It's crap. But we put ourselves in that space all every day for our entire lives, in every area of our lives. So I just thought, why not clean? So I did it. And it, it was tough. But I did it. And now I, I keep on top of it. This is a good flow. Yeah, I love that so much. If we let those things 
build and build and build and build and build and build and build. Like it is constipation of the brain. Like I, I, I can fully see your castle on the Lego, you know, on the yeah. Lego floor mega that you had there, the mega castle. <laughs> and it looks amazing. Don't get me wrong that you've got so many things to do. But yeah, so important. So important. <laughs> but yeah, clearing it out. I've I've been through the same thing. I, I teach it at my academy to do the same thing, and I love your Lego analogy. I think that's so cool. Um, yeah, you can use it. Lego need more people buying their product yeah. at the moment. Apparently, <laughs> we're all uh, yeah, kids don't want it anymore. Oh, but um, uh, I do. So I'm still buying it. Yeah, for all my, the adults for do. The adults are like, let me get. <laughs> But um, I, th- I totally get it. And like, man, such a, so even now, like you still slip into it, don't you? You still slip into like getting super busy and then you realize, oh, I've got to, you know, get rid of these, you know, these things that I've got to do and at least get them down. Because as soon as they're down, you can prioritize and you can delete and you can, you know, get to the things that matter and delete the ones that don't. And um, yeah. yeah, I think... I think that is so powerful in itself. And then, so once once you've done that and you've executed out all of the things, what sort of feedback are you getting from your clients around that? Everyone seems to be so refreshed, which yeah. is the, the thing I love the most because, you know, I've said to them before, just turn off your notifications for your WhatsApp and clear out your WhatsApps. And then every time you speak to someone, just archive the chat. So every time you go into your WhatsApp, it's literally a to-do list rather than a, Oh my God, I haven't done a list. It's literally, you only get messages in there that you actually still need to answer. But once you've done archives, yeah. them, the chat's still there, yeah. but the, the whole emotion that comes with it is not. And even just to the simplest things like that, you know, I've had people come back to me months after and be like, oh my God, I still don't have any notifications. I'm like, great. It's fine. <laughs> they get really excited. But it's, I, I have little ways. I don't know why, you know, and my friends will tell you this. I always know an app or a new way of doing something or something that works. And, and I always say, Oh, try this and try this. They're like, where do you get this shit from? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know where it comes from, but you know, I've got ways to save money. I do stuff with money now as well. So I've got like a finance, uh, the the brand I called it was unfuck your life. Sorry for swearing, but it's, I called it unfuck your life. And I, and the, and the press were like, this is amazing. So I had articles with like, um, Marie Claire and Stylist and Balance and Time Out and Metro and all these different magazines because of the way that I termed it. And, you know, it's now it's adulting 101. You know, everyone needs to learn to adult and be an adult because I don't think everyone has a mental health problem. I don't think everyone has a major problem with their with their sanity. That's not what's going on. I think on a large scale, most people are just not taking personal responsibility for their day to day lives. And when you do, I've had clients come back to me and be like, now, I don't feel anywhere near as anxious. Like, I don't even have anxiety about anything to do with life admin anymore because yeah. you've made it fun. And they take it home and teach it and give it to kids. Or I have everything is like, I've got like this. Um, I'll show you. I've got this, which is um, a weekly schedule. Yeah. I just color coded it and made it look like what I used when I was at school. And now the clients that I have all have a weekly schedule and they color code it and they print it out and put it on the fridge. And everyone that comes to me, and, you know, I give them set tasks on set colors. And they're like, oh, yeah, I've got these, you know, I'm doing green today. And you're like, okay. It's like it's the tiniest little thing, but it gets them excited because it's fun and it makes it really simple. And it's an hour. All I do is an hour a week with a client. That's all they need me for. One hour a week. And it's not accountability. It's me going, right, what did you do? 
what do we need to do for next week? Brilliant. Let's go. I, you know, it's not, people will call that accountability and I'm like, it's not, they're taking personal responsibility. They're then designing their lives and adding stuff in. It's not me, you know, Oh, you haven't done this and you yeah, haven't yeah. done that. I'm not interested in giving anyone a bollocking. I'm not interested in telling anyone off. You will feel crap if you haven't done what you need to do. I don't need to give you anything other than literally a space for you to go, Oh my God, I didn't do the last three things. And I'm like, okay, how do you feel? <laughs> Yeah, I feel shit. Okay, where do you want to put them on the next week? They're like, okay, I'll do them first. Cool. You've just organized it. That's your personal responsibility. Yeah. And I, all I'm doing is showing up and drinking a cup of tea yeah. while I'm on there. It's amazing. It's great. I have so much fun. Yeah, it's amazing that, like, even I need that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, people think that, <laughs> well, how do you get so much done every week? But I need that as well. Like, everyone yeah. needs someone just yeah, to... Yeah, we can talk about that. It's yeah. so much fun. Yeah, totally. It really is. <laughs> it's just so simple as well like to know when you do it it's so good because people say like I've got a a number of like not case studies as such because I don't want to put them out and kind of give them I will put the stories out but I won't put the names out but you know I've got some people that are propping themselves up financially um in a way that isn't necessarily healthy and and kind of something you would want to shout about and tell everybody's you know it's a bit underhanded or a bit dodgy here or there and And I'm not telling anyone off, but when they're coming on the phone to me and I'm like, okay, is this who you want to be? Because if you can't tell your partner and you can't tell your parent, you're ashamed in some way. You might not think you really owe money, but if you don't want to tell everyone, there's some shame there. And then they're like, oh, okay, okay. And then start looking at the shame and start going through it. And then they realize, whereas before their ego, no, it's fine to go like this absolutely not a problem it's okay and it lasts, but really that's blocking a whole number of other things that they want to achieve. Mm. So just by letting them see and tapping into their shame then they're like oh okay yeah yeah, i need to look at that whereas before the ego would have been like nah let's not look at that because that's fine let's not go under that rock we're going to leave that rock there and i'm just like there's no rocks every single rock we have we literally pick it up polish it look at it you know make it look pretty again and put it back down and, and you're just looking at everything in your own life there's nothing that you need to be scared of and and people talk about like trauma. People say, oh my God, I've got so much trauma. I need to look at this. The trauma is for therapy, right? There's a lot, and you can only have therapy an hour a week, really, at a push. And, you know, that's for that. The rest of your life has got nothing to do with a therapist. It's got nothing to do with who you want to blame for when you were six and what happened to you. Nothing. You're just being shit and that's okay. And you cannot be shit by stepping up and going, oh, actually, I probably need to grow up. Yeah, you do. And it's not it's not going to affect anything majorly other than the fact that it's going to help you in your own life. But we everybody attaches this. Oh, I didn't do this because, you know, let's look at the deeper meaning and take it back to inner child therapy. Not everything is attached to inner child therapy. Not everything is traumatic that needs to be looked at under certain ways. It's just that no one ever taught us how to grow up and be adults properly. They never taught this stuff at school. They never taught us how to do cash flows and to look at things properly and to deal with your emotions. And that is what this is. And that's why it's different. I, I'm not a life coach and I'm not a psychotherapist, and I'm not, but I can definitely see someone's bullshit because I've looked at my own. Yeah, cool. So how do you go about looking at your own? Like what is your method? How do you, how do you go to figure out your mind? How do you get yeah. it out? Especially mirror. If there's I go in the mirror. You stand in the mirror. Yeah, I sit in the mirror. All so I've got this obsession with the mirror, and not because I'm vain. Have been in my life, not gonna lie. But right now, I don't use it for that purpose. But I literally sit in the mirror and I ask myself questions, and she answers. And sometimes I get really cool answers. Sometimes I get really 
shocking ones that I don't want, but they're still the right answers for me because I don't believe everybody has the right answers for everyone else. We've got this internal system and I call mine my NatSav. It's like a sat nav, but it's personal. She, <laughs> she knows where to go. Yeah. So I've got my little NatSav and I know where to look because I feel into my body and I'm like, oh, that doesn't feel good. So why am I feeling like that? There? Okay, cool. What's that got to do with? And I'll ask myself questions and it's self-inquiry. You're just asking yourself questions and you have all the answers. If you're willing to sit on the mat or sit in front of a mirror and just sit still, you don't have to be meditating. You can, which is great, but you don't have to do that. You can just sit in a mirror. It's best if you do it naked because then you can't get away and you're like, right, okay, just staring at yourself naked. There's no getting away. You're like, okay. (laughs) Vulnerability 101, but you don't have to do it naked. It's just I prefer. And you sit there and you're like, okay, what do I need to see? What do I need to know? And you feel into it because your body speaks far louder than your words. You know when you feel crap before you even say, I feel crap today. Your body has a message for you. It has, and it's that's not woo-woo. That's not like super spiritual. If you know when you feel shit. So then you think, oh, okay, why do I feel shit? Oh, maybe you haven't spoken to that person. Well, maybe you need to go speak to that person. Or maybe you need to look at why that is. But I just did a video this morning about the work, about doing um, work. Somebody Somebody annoyed me yesterday and they were really obnoxious and quite rude. And I I was hurt. So I had to sit there and then I wrote out a list wherever it's gone. So oh, I was here and I wrote out all these things of how I felt. So I'm like, OK, right. I feel crap right now. But why do I feel crap? Is it really his fault? Is it my fault? Should I have said anything? What do I need? So I just wrote it down and I basically put... I feel intimidated by this guy's level of intelligence. I don't feel confident when I'm engaging with him. I feel stupid. I feel low. I feel less than, I don't, you know, I feel scared. These are just how I feel. And it, it's I, 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 I. Mm. This is not him being mean. Yeah, he wasn't the greatest version of himself yesterday, but he wasn't intentionally being a dick. He just was a dick. I could either hate him for the next however long and be like, he is such a dick, can't stand him. Or I can say, how do I feel about this? And I write it down and then I know how I feel because I'm writing it down. And then I sit with those feelings and I'm like, okay, they're my feelings Mm. that are nothing to do with him. It's my feeling. It's the way I feel about myself that I need to work on. So is this all really true? Am I less than? Am I stupid? You know, do I really need to feel intimidated? No, these are parts of my shadow that I need to look at and work on and become more confident and become a better version of myself and learn to love myself more. But yesterday he was like a torch you know he shone his light on me not in a spiritual light but he you know his bullshit triggered my own and I had to look at it and then I was like oh whereas before years ago I'd have slagged him off for about six weeks and hated him when I saw him that's not going to do anybody any good but you know I'd have done that because I didn't know how to handle my feelings now I'm like nah I'm not going to have him sitting with me you know or pain coming next Tuesday because I haven't processed this no I'm doing it today. And it took me 20, 30 minutes sitting. That wasn't even in the mirror. That was just me writing it down. And then I went to the mirror and I'm like, right, what do I need to feel? And then I just cried for a bit. And I'm all right today. And I don't think he's a dick. He was rude, but you know, I st- he's still all right. But yesterday I was like, oh my God, I'm so much pain. Yeah. And it's just, just working with it because it's just a feeling. Yeah, I love, I love writing. People I work with know like writing's my go-to mirror, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I write in third person. I was going to ask you, um, do you do you sort of ask us question and answer it through the mirror? Yeah. I, like I've you done, coach yeah. yourself? Yeah. So it's if I'd, have, if I'd have paid for therapy, the amount of times I've sat in the mirror, wow, I would be in some major debt right now. Honestly, <laughs> I ask myself questions 
And then I sit and I wait for the answer. Mm. Now, there's two answers that sometimes come up. Sometimes you get like my ego, which I've named her. She's called Belle. She's a Bellend sometimes, but she's also beautiful. She is, you know, sometimes she'll say, no, you need to do this. Or she'll be quite attitude-y mm. because she has, doesn't want to let it go. She doesn't want anything to, to bother her. But then there's my higher self. And my higher self, she's a bit cleverer. And I call her sassy. And she just knows. She's like, no, 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 no. You shouldn't have said that. The reason you said that is because you feel like this and this is why. And I'm like, oh, and I'm getting told off by my own reflection in the mirror because I'm willing to give myself the chance to speak. And some people say, oh, you've got voices in your head. Not necessarily. I'm just not listening to my own bullshit. And I'm prepared for myself to tell myself off if I need to. And and that happens. And I remember the first time it ever happened, I, I text someone and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe he's not text back. Why is he not text back? How rude. And I was kicking off and I was like, I'm looking at my phone every five minutes, wanting this dude to text back. And I sat in the mirror and I'm like, why is he not text back? And then Sassy's there. At the time, I didn't know who she was, but my higher self was just like, well, reread your message. And I'm like, fine. So I reread my message. Like, Do you think that sounds polite? Do you think that sounds like lovable? Is that nice? And I'm like, oh my God, I sound like a right bitch. She's like, yeah. So I was like, she's like, change it and you'll get a response. So I sent an apology for my message with a response and was just like, I'm so sorry. I've just reread my message. My actions weren't good. You know, like really apologizing, just going, I should not have spoke to you like that, but I would like to know what, you know, this thing and the other thing. And, um, he got back to me within five minutes and said, yeah, thanks for apologizing. That's what I wanted. And I'm like, oh, she knows what she's talking about. So I listen, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to hear the fact that, oh my God, you failed epically on that text message. But at the time it was just what I needed to hear. So it's like Belle is the, the one that would have been pissed off with that person for the 12 weeks, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you got yeah, sassy. Yeah, she's grumpy but, sometimes. <laughs> and I think that's what most people do. And it's, and it's almost like it's what's so honorable is like looking at it and going, you, you made a mistake. You were wrong. You know, and that's what Sassy does. She tells you when you've yeah. done something wrong. and Exactly. You can't lot... get away from yourself. You're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. damn. And a lot of people shove that down, including me. Like, I remember five years ago, like, the amount of stuff I've shoved down my entire life. And, you know, and it, and it all came out. And pe- the listeners would have heard me talk about it before. But, you know, it all comes out when you just can't hold it down yeah. anymore. And, um, yeah. s- you know, I'm still working on being openly honest about just little things that I don't think quite matter, but I think it's still important to still mm-hmm. talk those little things. Like for instance, uh, having a conversation with my wife today around the safety of our backyard for our kids. Um, they're three and six and, mm-hmm. um, and I feel it's safe and she feels it's not. And so I didn't bring that up for so long. And so it caused me to take an action today, you know, while the kids are outside and I was inside and, um, you know, it didn't go down well when she she found out, and um, yeah, and then she's like, "Told you, it's not safe." Yeah, but they they weren't <laughs> they didn't do any they weren't injured or anything. But you know, it's um yeah, it's just one of those things that if I just spoke my mind at the time, you know, I wouldn't uh-huh. have you know just gone and you know been inside and doing what I was doing. Yeah, um, you know, so it's without you know a close eye on the kids, so it's sort of going behind her back mm-hmm. in a way. But I didn't speak up early enough. Um, to say that I feel it's safe. And then we could have had a good discussion around it and sorted the problem out, but instead it was such a small thing just to say it, but I didn't want to disturb the good times that we're having, like we're just always in a good place. So I just, I don't want to say that one little thing, it's just going to make the day uncomfortable and then it leads to something shit happening 
um, and yeah. and blowing it all up. So um, I'd love to hear your your feedback on that and what you think around you know people just saying their mind when it even with the littlest thing needs to be said, mm-hmm. so it doesn't blow up. Okay. Over time. So. There's something really interesting, and I'm going to admit that I've watched this on Netflix and it's not the greatest achievement of my life, but have you seen Selling Sunset on Netflix? No, it's the it's the property, it's basically, it's the property real estate agent oh. um, thing on Netflix. And it's trash TV. I'm not going to lie. Loved it, switched off, just zoned out and just needed to. I watched it, but there's a character on there um, and she is called Christina and she's really tall, blonde, beautiful woman. She looks amazing absolute bitch of a character like but she's not even playing a character she just is this person and she constantly keeps saying well I'm just saying it you know I'm telling my truth and I'm just saying it there is a way to deliver your truth and uncomfortableness and then there's a way not to if you want to know how not to deliver it watch this show she literally delivers it and she's just like she goes well she's like this with her hair well I'm just saying it and I'm being truthful and you're like no you're being a bitch there's a way to always say how you feel and if you feel uncomfortable about something you know you're going to share something so you need to make space for feeling uncomfortable no you know if you say to someone oh I just need to talk to you right now and they're like no not right now I've got something else and you're like oh well and you just chuck it out that's a time and a place find your time Find the place. Don't use those as avoidance, though, because most people are like, I haven't found the right time and place. No, mate, you're avoiding it. There's obviously a time and a place in a day. Yeah. Most of the days, most practical days, you'll find one. And then just say, you know, I need to talk to you about this. Is now a good time? And then you talk to them if they say yes. And just say, I feel really uncomfortable about this. So I'd really appreciate it if you can, you know, understand where I'm coming from. I don't want to make this awkward. You've set your scene. No one's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to be a dick just because you feel awkward. I'm going to make this hell for you. No one says that. They're like, okay, you know, okay, what do you need? Yeah, that's fine. You might get a bit of a triggered response because they might be, I don't know, if it's your partner, they might be on your period. Anything could happen. Emotions fly in. But nobody's trying to be horrible in the moment. And if you can allow for that and they can allow for that, then you can have that discussion. But communication is so important. I flopped so many times on my communication and it's now become a massive thing for me. And I I lost one of the greatest, what I thought was one of the greatest people I'd ever met in my life because I communicated in such a bad way. And it taught me a massive lesson. And now it's number one on, you know, I have to learn how to speak to people and you can deliver your truth on a cushion and be like, yay, hi, yeah. Or you can bitch slap someone around the face. Which one's going to work? It's the one with the cushion that, you know, you can kind of at least sit on the cushion and talk about it. But when you're slamming your truth or or you avoid something and then it happens or something happens that it, you, it wouldn't have happened if you'd not avoided it, then you'd go into sheep mode where you're like you're feeling a bit sheepish and you're like, oh, I don't know what to say about it now because you know that you did it wrong. That's when you've got to go and be like, oh, I've been a bit shit today sorry yeah I could have done that just own it and laugh about it and smile about it because then that way there's a there's a way into that conversation and just admitting that you've got a flaw most people don't do that so when you do admit you've got one people are like oh he's admitted it oh well yeah you could have done better but it's over it because most people don't share that they're crap today it's like sometimes I'm shit sorry as long as you've got compassion about it that helps a lot yeah, I feel like um, the more important the person is in my life, the harder it is to have those conversations. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. Like I'm very extremely good on a professional level for my yeah. staff, for my clients. Like I'm 
an open book and I am yeah. speaking the truth 100% of the time. But when it's someone important, it's like they're my, the most important audience member in the whole crowd of the world. You know, yeah. and I have to make sure that I'm doing a good job by them. And to, yeah. to talk about something that I'm not doing good by them is so fucking hard. You know, you've got more to lose. You feel like you've got more to yeah. lose. Yeah. So there's a really interesting book called The Values Factor. Have you ever read it? I haven't. Well, it's this one. I keep it by here all the time. Um, this one. The Values Factor by Dr. John D. Martini. And he's pretty much like the godfather of personal development. Before everybody thought it was cool, this guy was already writing, you know, loads of books on it and, and singing his way around the world and, and giving people advice on it. Very, very clever. But he's got something called the values factor in there where you ask yourself. So he says to people, what do you value? And people say, oh, honesty, trust, you know, all this. They're not your values. That's your morals. What you value is what you spend the most time on. And what you spend the most time on is your family. Usually it's your wife, it's your kids. So they have a higher priority in your life and they exist in a different way in your life compared to everything else because you put more time and effort into them. So there's a much greater feeling around these people or these things and they're more important to you. So you attach your aspirations, your dreams, your hopes, everything usually to if you've got people in your top values, you attach all of this emotion to this person in your top value. And if something's wrong up there, everything else falls you know if you've got your partner as your top value and something goes wrong in your relationship your whole life's like you know you feel that everything's gone because they're in that position so you've just just to be aware of your values and where you're at and to you know to work with that other person and know what their values are and work with each other that takes some of the pressure away it, it opens a space for a greater communication between you because you value each other and you can work on it. And it's this book is it's one I did what did um, I did the first video on my YouTube with wet hair, <laughs> literally book review on this one. Um, but it is it's fantastic and it's so easy to read. You're like reading it going, oops, you know, you're just like, yeah, okay, yeah, let's change that. Needs to change. <laughs> literally, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, just with the value, like I, I love what you said around the um, the values are actually the family, the wife, like the 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 husband, the whoever it is, it's the people and it's. And people often get stuck working extremely hard to live, like live up to a life that they don't have, um, yeah. and destroy those relationships in the mean, mm -hmm. you know, at the, with the work that they put into it. So, yeah. how do we keep more balanced and a better, you know, awareness of our family and that we're not destroying that in the in the pursuit of, you know, yeah. a better life. A lot of people go on their personal development journey and they're, you know, they're, they do their self-work and their conscious work and they go on it alone. But if you've got a family, you need to go on that journey together because while you're going in this personal development drive and here I go, here I go, here I go, you're changing every minute, every day. So when you take this new version of yourself back to your family, they're the same as they always were because they're not growing with you and then there's differences and then it's harder and then you're you know you might be expressing yourself really well and they still don't know how to do it because you're like oh you know my husband's changing so fast and so quick he's a different person or my wife's not doing enough and there's this resistance because you're going in different directions mm. but if you can sit with the whole family and say hey are we going to work on this together? Because it might be your might, your wife might not be yours particularly, but you know, wife might be like, I don't want to go on a personal de development journey. I'm all right, thanks. And then you know, at the very beginning, that 
your paths are going to go in a different direction and you have to make plans for whatever directions those are. That might mean divorce. It might mean whatever, but you haven't wasted your time and ended up hating each other because you've grown apart. Mm. You've been active in making that decision. And there's, you know, to do that with the kids to say, right, we're going to do, you know, we're going to work out today what our values are or, you know, your kids values. You might have, I don't know, DJing might be value number one because that's what she spends the most time doing. You know, second value might be music because that's the second thing that she works on. And there's these questions in this book. If you can all figure out each other's values and they're on the fridge and you can all see what each and, and the kids are growing up, learning the understanding of values and the family's growing together. That in itself is a beautiful conscious relationship. And I, I don't have a relationship. I don't have a partner. I don't have children. I would love to, but I, they haven't happened yet. And I've got all these other things that I've been doing. But I know that I'm going to give it the best shot when I do because I understand all of this stuff. And now I can't imagine having a family without, you know, doing our values together and working out together and, you know, doing meditations together because these are the things that make it last and work. So you have to be honest and, and enjoy that journey with them. I see so many people doing this personal development journey on their own and they break up. They start, you know, they wake up spiritually and then they go, oh, my God, the big relationship goes. And it's something in them sparked them to go on that journey. And sometimes they, they need to break up, but sometimes they just leave people behind without any care in the world. And that's when you can get a lot of pain. Yeah. No, I can definitely see that happening with some people that I work mm-hmm. with. So, yeah, it's really important to include the family and and make sure we yeah, all parties that are important. You know, I, I talk to yeah. some clients about, you know, future setting your, and we do an exercise called a future set journal entry, which is similar to your letter. And before mm-hmm. our call, we were talking about how there's software now that where you can email yourself in the future and it comes in as an yes. email from yourself. <laughs> I need to know what that is. Tell yeah, me. Yeah, I, is it? I don't actually know off the top of my head. I'm going to have to find no, out. No, send, send it to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, send it to me. I have to do some Googling. That looks so good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think the future setting the journal entry and we get them to write a journal entry from the future talking about their life in the past and mm-hmm. you know the amount of people that go off and do that by themselves and say we're going to do this this and this and they come back and I go do you talk to your family about it do you talk to your wife and yeah. your kids and what do they say and oh, I didn't talk to them and then they go off and they're like oh they don't want to do that you know and they yeah. didn't include them in it so yeah yeah, a lot exactly. of people are living this, this is what we're going to do and I'm going to go and do this and this is going to be great for our family. It's like, but have you asked yeah. them? You know? Yeah, uh, there's a really good example of that. Did you see what happened with Will and Jada Smith recently? No, I didn't. Uh, so basically, Will and Jada Smith had a big out, uh, outcry recently because something happened in their family um, and Jada started having, uh, apparently her and Will split up temporarily, but in, in that time, she ended up getting out with someone else and having a conscious relationship with someone else, uh, which nobody really knew about until recently. So it came out in the press, but Will was saying one of the things is he had, when he was younger, he didn't really notice what he was doing to Jada, but he had this idea of this super Hollywood family and they were all going to be famous and they were all going to do this. And he had this unit that he had in his mind and he was off. And everybody had to fall into line. And the family's like, no, we don't want to do this. You know, Jada didn't want to do that. And then the kids wanted to go on their own stuff. And then what ended up happening is when Willow Smith, the youngest daughter, came out with that, you know, swinging her hair around track that she came out when she was like nine years old or something. She was all about her hair and wafting her hair. And she made a massive track. She made all this money about her hair in this track. She just said, I don't want to do it anymore, Dad. I'm done now. And he's like, what do you mean you're done? You can't be done. This is your new career. And she was like nine. She came downstairs the following day and she'd shaved all her hair off. Oh, and she was whoa. just like in complete, yeah, in complete rebelling. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing it. And he's just like, what? And he said it took that 
his daughter's actions of her shaving her entire hair off and saying, I'm not doing it anymore, Dad. I've got no hair. He was like, wow. And he had this drive of where the Smith family was going and they weren't on board and it caused a massive problem. So he talks about that openly now, which is actually quite interesting. But it's the thing that everyone does. They go in a direction and they forget to take the passengers with them. Mm. That's fascinating. Cool. Um, So with your radio station, how long has that been Mm -hmm. going now? Uh, the radio has been going for three months. Cool. All right. And it, yeah, does it go out every? Does it go out every day? How's it broadcasted? How can people get? Yeah. On, so it you is twenty four seven. I've programmed it all, so it's twenty four seven. So you can go to the um, www.imsoundacademy.com, and on there you'll see the place where it says two apps. You can click on the Android or the Apple app, and you can go in, into the stores and get them and download it on your phone. It comes up as a tiny little smiley face icon. It's like a rainbow smiley face. So you can listen to the content anytime, any day. Um, from wherever you are in the world and then it plays also live from the website and then if you're really nice you can set a skill on Alexa and ask her nicely and she'll play it for you when you shout out to her um, she plays I Am Sound too cool love it I'm going to download that tonight and yeah. probably go to bed first and I'll listen to it tomorrow <laughs> yes I'm do interested. that and then you can also do the YouTube channel as well we've got um, I Am Sound Media on YouTube which is it's only got one video on there at the moment but we're planning we're doing three live shows a week mondays wednesdays and friday mornings awesome. talking about men's consciousness women's consciousness and then like we have a fun day where we do some like quantum physics or like random stuff love it can't wait to see it yeah thanks cool. for thanks for your time today Nat. really enjoyed everything that you said thank you for sharing openly and being your authentic self and being vulnerable and and continue doing what you're doing i love it I really appreciate it. Just also, if anybody wants to know anything about the coaching stuff, you can go to my website as well, which is wheresnatat.com, which I'll send you the link for as well to put in the links. But uh, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. Cool. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye.